Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca Road When along came a semi with a high canvas covered load If you're going to Winnemucca Mac with me you can ride And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand And I said, listen, I've traveled every road in this here land I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Across the deserts there, man I breathe the mountain air, man I travel, I've had my share, man I've been everywhere What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 24th episode of the Jim Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. How are we doing today, boys? I'm doing fantabulous. Good. Fantabulous. Waiting, waiting on the drive. A new hunterism. Fantabulous? Fantabulous. <laughs> I like it. Beautiful. So again, welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast, presented by Bold City Brewery. This and every episode is presented by our good friends over there at Bold City Brewery. Uh, make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com. You can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Today they've given us a little bit of their 1901 Roasted Red Ale. Uh, apparently this is Hunter's favorite Bold City beer. It is. How about that? It's amazing. I heard about it like three years ago and haven't had enough since. Awesome. So a little backstory on that. 1901 year the uh, great fire of Jacksonville happened and this beer is an ode to that uh, it's a again a roasted red ale so there's a bit of that roasty smoky flavor in it um, it's not hoppy at all for people that hate the extreme hops of IPAs and such but it's got a unique flavor no question delicious yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a delicious nice, is one of those flavors yes. yeah it's a nice dark beer Happy to have it. Again, make sure to check out Bold City Brewery at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. So, this is kind of a weird time of year. We're waiting on the draft. Pro days are happening. There's all sorts of stuff happening in the NFL right now. But nothing that really makes average or not diehard fans too pumped up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we've got owners meetings going on. We've got uh, all sorts of interviews from Dave Caldwell to Doug Marone to Tom Coughlin. 
Uh, UF and FSU Pro Days happened this week. I released the first Gen Jag mock draft of the mock draft season this week. We'll get into that. There's all sorts of rule changes that have come from the NFL owners' meetings. And uh, the reason we brought you in on I've Been Everywhere by Johnny Cash is because these scouts, coaches, um, beat writers, they are all over the place this week and in the coming weeks, traveling to Arizona for the owners' meetings, traveling all over the country to visit, uh, visit schools for their pro days, you're not familiar with a pro day that's essentially like a mini nfl scouting combine for each individual school that has a football team um tom coughlin's emails getting us in trouble again what did we say about old people email <laughs> i was just about to say you, you, if you're over 70 you need to quit <laughs> quit while you're ahead all right no uh so the jaguars lost seven days of their offseason program due to that but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot to get into. We'll start out, though, with some comments made earlier today by one Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I actually was a big fan of Michael Bennett before this happened. I still am. I, I think I still like him, too, but it's a little bit annoying. He essentially said that games in the NFL are super close, generally speaking. Um, but you're lucky I'm not in there, Michael Bennett. <laughs> As Scott's walking back after cracking open his beers, um, yeah. So Michael Bennett said, "Games in the NFL are close, except for when you're playing the Jaguars. Then you beat them by 50." It's like, boo, completely. And it, it was completely out of the blue. He wasn't yeah, asked there was no, there anybody. was no talk about the Jaguars in the conversation prior to. I mean. Prior to that point in the conversation, there was no talk about the Jags. So just to bash them for no reason is pretty interesting. Yeah, maybe it's just, he's just sour about what happened with Gus Bradley here. Yeah, maybe he remembers the butt whooping we gave him when he was in Tampa. Maybe. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a case of the big dog, you know, kicking the guy who's down. Yeah. Well, it's an easy shot. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's not like it's undeserved. I mean we haven't been getting blown up by fifty, but we to won me, three games. Whether it's undeserved or not, it's almost become. Old, like great. Oh yeah, another joke about the Jags. You know? about the Jags or the yeah. Browns. Like we get it. Like it's we're too not easy. good. Like it's like low hanging fruit. <laughs> like it's like okay, congratulations. It's just getting annoying at this point. Like I don't have anything wrong with Michael Bennett. I think he's a hell of a football player, and he's real a great person. Apparently, like I guess him and his brother just gave half their jersey sales and re or um, what's the thing called? What's the word I'm looking for? Sponsorship, know. like okay, okay. deals. Uh, is going to charities for like and inner of, cities and stuff, which is great. And one of the more outspoken but, NFL yeah, players. At a certain point, like it just gets old. Just shut up, like yeah. you know. Just, we get it. We suck. Yeah. We have for ten years. <laughs> we've been here. Yeah, we've been to every game. <laughs> we've watched every game. We know it more than you do. We know we suck way more than you do, Michael. <laughs> so don't even question us about how much we know we but, suck. For the record, the Jaguars have never lost by 50 points, like Michael Bennett referred to. For the record, we will be there next year when Michael Bennett travels yeah. to see us. Yeah, and Brandon Albert and Jeremy Parnell and uh, the interior linemen, they're going to get to... It's going to be on the board. They're going to get to show Michael Bennett what's up. You know, <laughs> That's going to be a good opportunity for them. Of course, that's going to be some bulletin board material that week. Exactly. Um, 
can they actually outperform Michael Bennett one on one? I mean, that's that remains yeah. to be seen. I think Brandon Alvarez absolutely, absolutely can. I mean, he's. I think he's he can. Will he? Yeah. That's the biggest question. Will he even be healthy when we play the Seahawks? Who knows? Um, I was thinking about that game, just just real quick, just into the mind of me. Looking at that game, it's to me it's not as scary as it has been, uh, because when you look, they they were clearly struggling last year. They don't they didn't have much of a running game. Um, our defense is that much better. Not saying we're gonna go out there and blow them out, but I think we had a ton of close games last year. We had nine games that were one possession games at the end. Right. So, well, I mean, I mean, on paper this year, every game is going to be a winnable game. It's going to be about Blake Bortles and what the hell he does. Yeah. You know, talent-wise, this roster is there. Yeah. It's there with any other team in the NFL in terms of talent. So in just, terms of yeah. young talent and veteran talent. Yeah. I just, I just think it's somebody who's literally on the opposite side of the country. You know, just... Just saying words, just to say because that the, the all the I thing heard was is. Scott on March 29th, two thousand seventeen, saying the Jaguars are going to beat the Seahawks. That's all I heard. <laughs> you heard I, it here I, first. I'll, I'll, hey, I'll live up. That's to what it. I heard, Scott. <laughs> that's all I heard. You heard it here first. Scott Klein's got the Jaguars beating the Seahawks in yeah. two thousand seventeen. I'll do it. Whatever. Hey, what's that? Sign more than two touchdowns. Hey, bowl. <laughs> So, some other quick uh, news and notes. Like we said earlier, the Jaguars lost seven days of their um, off-season, off-season work. They're going to start April 17th instead of April 10th. Usually teams that hire new coaches get an extra week to I have their... Two weeks. Like, oh, okay. Teams are going back, so I think, on the 7th. What, what do they do? Like, to sit at home? Yeah, they just can't go. They, just meet can't, with each yeah, other. they can't go yeah. in yet. They, I, I think the NFL compromised and basically split the difference. Oh, okay. Didn't say we had to wait the full amount, but they gave us some sort of length, and that's when the NFLPA came in and was complaining about it. So they just said, okay, you know, April seventeenth. Yeah. So that's Coughlin okay. was sending out some emails he shouldn't have been sending <laughs> out, but that's all right. A um, little bit of a learning curve, I guess, as the head of football operations. He hasn't been even a GM since his early coaching days in the NFL with the Jaguars. So, you know, I guess there's probably some cobwebs he needs to make sure he's on his P's and Q's in terms of what he's allowed to do in terms of communication with players. Um, So, again, the offseason program will start the 17th instead of the 10th, which is what the Jaguars had originally requested. Um, Dave Caldwell talked with John Osher on Monday. He had some interesting things to say. Uh, a lot of people have been speculating as to whether or not Dante Fowler will remain a pure defensive end pass rusher or if he'll start doing a little bit of standing up, moving around, playing linebacker. Um, Dave Caldwell kind of put that to bed. He said Fowler is versatile. He has ability to play in space, but... He, like Unique and Gakwe, are going to be our pass rushers in 2017. How do you guys see that? I mean, he's going to have his hand in the dirt most of the time. Yeah. Like he's made that clear. Now to say, and Doug Marone also made it clear that he wants his defensive ends to have their hand in the dirt. Yeah, he likes that. So. Now, could, are there going to be certain, you know, 
special package plays where there's you you see these teams they they do what's called a mush rush where they'll have like maybe the nose tackle with his hand in the dirt and everyone else is just kind of wandering around the line of scrimmage. Right. You might see some sort of variation of that as far as moving guys into creative situations. But other than that, you're going to see the normal four four down linemen front for a vast majority of the time. Yeah. Somewhat big news was the fact that Marone confirmed the team would be <coughs> continuing to run a 4-3 scheme. I wanted to get Hunter's thoughts on this a little bit because just just because the team's running a 4-3 does not mean you're going to be seeing the same defensive uh, calls, play style, formations. There's There there can be a 4-3 under, 4-3 over. There can be all sorts of stuff. What's your take on that? Nothing. I yeah. mean, it's like saying we're going to run shotgun. Like, yeah. All they're saying is their base front is going to be a four-man front. The three linebackers isn't really that important. You just know they're going to run a base 4-3 defense. Like The NFL nowadays is, what, 70% nickel, so yeah. which is almost like a 4-2-5 version, um, unless you want to play a three-man front nickel. But it doesn't tell you anything. Like People are going to be like, oh, we're running a 4-3. Okay. Right. Now... While the fact that the Jaguars are running a 4-3 might not be the news, the news is really there's a few different parts of this 4-3 scheme that we know will be different, and that is the safety position. That was the biggest news. Both of those guys, Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson, they say interchangeable. I don't buy interchangeable because I, Gibson's not great in the box, I think and Church isn't great word. in coverage. But they can both, they can both do both. It's just it's the, more fluid. It's the it's wrong, not. yeah. It's the wrong word to be using in that situation. Like they're not interchangeable. But if you're caught in a bad situation, they it's not the end of the world. Yeah, as like, much getting caught with Barry Church as your single high and Sean Gibson down is not the end of the world. Right. Getting right. caught with Jonathan Cyprian single high <laughs> could be. Yeah. So like it. It just tells you that I think what it really tells you under under the word interchangeable is that they're going to be more versatile with yeah. their yeah. safeties. That's and probably the word that... They're going to use them more creatively. Yeah. And I definitely think it gives that opportunity for Barry Church to be a down, a low hole kind of box style safety, like a four two five or something like that. You know, just give different looks. Because really... Last year they were pigeonholed on defense. They were pigeonholed, and like if Cyprian's playing the the deep middle, the, the offense trouble. has got to see yeah. that and go and attack him. And they yeah. did that a lot well, last year. And as a quarterback, for me, the four guys in front of me aren't as important. Like I know they're coming after me. Like that's not that big of a deal. If whether it's three, four, five, whatever, those guys are easy. You trust the guys, in, the five guys in front of you, to protect you from them. It's the Four, five, six, seven guys behind them that are important. That's what you got to worry about. Like, which and in recent years, teams haven't had to worry about that. With no, the Jaguars, because you know what they're going to line up in. Yeah. If you know they're lining up in a single high, you know, corners back, they're playing just a traditional cover three. You can prepare very easily, and as a quarterback, your mind is set. Like I know my reads very, very easily. When you go and you have two safeties, you have no idea where they're going to line up, what they're doing, how they're going to play. You know, that makes it difficult as a quarterback, especially when you got two corners that at any moment 
are game changer style quarter or quarterbacks. At least what right. we at least what we think right now. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get into too. You know, with two safeties that can do both things and two corners that, and for the most part, really don't have a major weakness. No, I mean there's you there's, can play so many different styles yeah, with your front yeah. seven. And I think it makes it difficult for a quarterback to pick who every guy that plays the position knows they have one person each game they want to pick on. Hmm. And that's going to be tough. Like for me, mainly, I would probably pick on Barry Church. Yeah, you could get burned doing that. I yeah. agree, you could. As a quarterback, you can get but, burned doing that if you're trying to pick on him. Yeah, and, but absolutely. then it all goes into the tight end. Like if I have, you know, there's so many things, and I don't. Again, that's another thing I don't think people think about when they're thinking about the game of football. There are so many factors that go into it. Yeah. Like if you have a good tight end, he's probably going to be effective if you feel comfortable against Barry Church. Just because, I mean, a size matchup. Yeah. But it's just such a technical game. Just, just the fact that you can line up, even not, I'm not even, not even getting into after the snap, but pre-snap, being able to line up and make the quarterback a little bit hazy about what might be going on, mm-hmm. not tipping your hat right away. The second you make him overthink exactly. anything, you, you're if you, if, like, <clears throat> if you literally make him hesitate for half a second... Even it, less. Even yeah. less. In the NFL, that's an eternity. Yeah. I mean, there's even times where last year... like I, Obviously, I, I don't coach at the NFL level, and I'll never say I do. But even, Well, you might. Maybe one day. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> last year... 8A football in Florida is the biggest football you can play. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the best of the best every single week in 8A football. We would line up against teams who would show something, and I would call whatever, and I look down at my paper, and I look back up, and that split second of, yeah. oh, shit. Uh-oh. Yeah, like, <laughs> you never know. That split second could be a big, big yeah. game changer. Um, I mean, thankfully, there was only, like, one or two times where it actually you know, yeah. affected us, but it's... I know how they feel, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, mm-hmm. you, you just know that feeling of, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I right? Yeah. So, and again, that's that could be your job. So. Yeah, that's how – that. I feel like offensive coordinators are really going to have to respect what the Jaguars are doing defensively a lot more than they have <clears throat> in the past. And that's – Teams are going to yeah. have to be more prepared. Because even last year, if, if we tried to be more – Versatile, and you like if either you know Jonathan Cyprian's in the box, or you know he's going to be back in coverage, and you can pick on him. So you know what you know what one of the players in the backfield or in the secondary is doing at all times. Yeah, and it's kind of similar to on the flip side of the ball, the guy the Jaguars just got rid of, Julius Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, you're pigeonholing yourself when that guy's on the field. Yeah, you know he has to be a receiver. Yeah, so. That's pretty interesting stuff. Aside from that, there's also a few other things we know. We know Miles Jack is going to be on the field more. We don't know how he's going to be on the field more. I, I, I still have no clue what they're going to try to do. I don't think anyone really does. I think he's the only wild card left like on the team. Yeah. The only thing that's clear is in p- clear passing situations, they want him on the field. I think, I think having him... Also makes it so you can't you have the ability to be in base in your base formations more often just because of how athletic he is. Yeah, Not, you would hope that 
that would be the case in terms of yeah. the way the defensive coordinator Todd Wash is calling plays. I've got Miles Jack on the field. I don't necessarily need to go into you nickel. You don't have yeah. to go into nickel. Yeah, because he's he's so athletic. He look at look just look at his tape in college. But if you do go, I mean, nickel, he played nickel well, corner. In yeah, college. Out, nickel. He played outside corner. Yeah, lined yeah. up against Robert Woods one on one in college. Like Nelson Aguilar, he, he shut him down. That's ridiculous. And I think actually when he got drafted, that was one of the things I said. Like pick him over Ramsey just for that reason. Mm. He can play everywhere. But I think he's the one wild card. Like where do they line him up? Um, I actually got into a little argument with somebody <laughs> last week about him about. The whole Reuben Foster situation. <laughs> they were talking about why would you draft Reuben Foster? Like that means you have to take off Telvin Smith and all. They were just going on and on about. Yeah, if you draft Reuben Foster, there's only one guy coming out, and that's Buzz. Buzz yeah. But they were talking like they were like, why would you have three linebackers that are able to cover? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> why would you about? have three linebackers that have the ability the to do yeah. everything on the field? Well, that's what I said. I was like, you literally <laughs> have three guys at any point could be on the field for all three downs. That's crazy. That makes no sense. But it's just, I think with Miles Jack, if he's at Sam, Telvin's at Will, you can play all three downs with that group because you trust Puzlesny in the middle. To do what he is supposed to do in that certain defense. Well, You're I, not going to be asking him to drop no. into the deep the deep third but of the field feel, or anything yeah, He's like not going to be a Tampa yeah. 2. But from the line back. to about 15 yeah. yards deep, you should feel comfortable. Sem- semi-comfortable, And yeah. if not, you take him out, bump Miles Jack in, send Colvin in, and there you go. Yeah. you got speed you got everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it, I think that situation is, if they handle it right, this defense could be Really good. It was already yeah. pretty good. Last I don't really know how to describe how good this defense. I mean, Dave Caldwell's be. confident in the defense, and it's funny. He, in my mind, even though the Jaguars gave up the six um, least six fewest yards last year, so you can say technically they were the sixth ranked defense last year. Yep. And Dave Caldwell said that in his interview with Osier, which just surprised me. Like. You know you weren't the sixth best defense last year, Dave. Well, look, look, look at what he did in the offseason. They right. were the sixth exactly. best, the quote unquote sixth best defense, and they went out and threw money right. at a defensive think, end and a corner. I think him I saying, mean, "Yeah, safety. we were the sixth safety." I think him saying <laughs> we were the sixth ranked defense was just him trying to prop up the team a little bit, and then at the same time also be like, "Yeah, we were as good as we were, but now we've got Barry Church, AJ Boy, and Calais Campbell." And yeah. much better depth at linebacker now with our um, recent signings of special teams aces that are also quality depth at linebacker. Josh McNary, Audi Cole, and Laurenti McCray, who they even think can do some pass rush hand in the ground type stuff. So they're deeper on defense. There's no question about it. They're deeper and more talented. And the other big change for me won't necessarily be formation or scheme but just the fact that you can have Malik Jackson Calais Campbell lined up next to each other on the inside and clear passing situations how does an offense stop that because the number one thing that you're trying to do with those two guys on the interior is just push the pocket back to where the quarterback has to step left or right into unique or into Dante yeah well you get a lot more movements up front like your stunt 
ability up front. Is... And you you saw last year Dante, Dante's ability to stunt. It yeah. caused um, yeah, interceptions, mm-hmm. couple sacks. You know, by having a person like Calais and Malik Jackson in the center, even with Avery Jones, it it gives you an athleticism that your stunts, your your tech stunts, and all your little. You know, nose tackle, end stunts, nose tackle stunts. All those things are just, those are dangerous. I don't, yeah. like, they're very hard to play. And you against. haven't seen that type of thing from uh-huh. us that often. Last year you saw it some. Well, Prior I, to that, you didn't see it all that often. I think that's what they wanted to get into. Yeah. Like, the ability to not have to blitz your linebackers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only bringing four people, but you give the feeling of a blitz to the quarterback. Right. Is what they want. And I think with this front four, five, six, or whatever the guys are going to be up front, like you have that ability. Like, and Dan Scuda to me should be Dante Fowler's backup. Like, why would he not have his hand in the dirt more often? I have been should. saying that since 2015 when they signed him. He's a pass rusher. Yeah. Why is he playing Sam and not rushing the pass? He's very, very Nick Perry esque. Yeah. To me. Like, if he had, if his he's hand being in the, used properly. Yeah. Could you imagine him stunting all the way from like a wide nine back inside against a guard? Like that's hard. Yeah. So. And I mean, on, on talking about not not relying on the blitz as much, I think this year, more than any, we're set up to be able to blitz more often with yeah. the corners that we have. No question. Being able to rely on them to hey, you got you got the guys on the outside. We feel more comfortable bringing some pressure. Really, I think. You'll see the most will be your safe, your ability to safety blitz mm-hmm. is huge. Because yep. now Sean Gibson, I think, since he's Daniel not technically help. a babysitter <laughs> anymore, like I think he'll be more. And really, yeah. to Sean Gibson blitzing off the edge is that's something that's not easy to deal with. Yeah. So it's again going back to interchangeable. It's that the variety and the versatility of everybody makes this defense very. Interesting to watch. On paper, it's hard to. Oh, it's, it's a hard to see defense. a fault. Yeah, it's a top five defense, one hundred percent. On paper, really, yeah. it could be a top two or three. Yeah. yeah. Again, you're listening to the Gin Jag Podcast, episode twenty four, presented by Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check out Gin Jag too. GenJag.com. Uh, We're on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter at Generation Jag. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on with the fan group right now. Uh, on the fan group side of it, there's just about a month left for membership signups for pre-order, which pre-orders are only twenty-five dollars this year. It comes with free sponsored tailgates. You'll get food from Metro Diner. Most weeks. Some weeks we'll do some different special stuff. You'll also get beer from Bold City Brewery, Green Room, Bricks Tap House. You'll also get vodka from Carve, Carve Craft Vodka, Jacksonville's first craft vodka company. And um, you'll also get a membership t-shirt, koozie, sticker, all that fun stuff. Tons of discounts at local establishments with your Jinjag member card. Um, So... A lot of fun stuff. Make sure to check it out at genjag.com slash membership. And uh, you'll find out all the information there. you got to sign up before May 1st, though, if you want to get that $25 price for the entire season. After May 1st, the price jumps up 
to $40 for the season. Still a great value for what you're getting, but we know you want to save the money. Well, I mean, you get us, too. That's right. The people are amazing. That's right. We'll be at all the at all the tailgates, having a good time, and um, it's just it's just all about supporting the Jags with Jen Jag. Our tailgates are over at the corner of Brian and Adams. Very chill atmosphere. We'll get some music going. We'll have usually the Metro Diner, chicken biscuits, mm. and a uh, mm. couple lovely ladies helping you out with your drinks. I, I mean, think this year it's going to be Shelby and Ryan. Shout out to you guys. I mean, if you go to one tailgate, your 25 bucks is paid for. No question. I mean, it really gets paid for even if you don't tailgate. If you go to Chicken any, biscuits, that's all I can think If you about. go to any of the sponsor establishments, which are Mellow Mushroom, Burrito Gallery, Metro Diner, Sports Mania, all those places, you're getting 10% off. Crazy Sushi. All sorts of cool places. So... Make sure to check it out. Enough with the shameless plugs. Let's get back into the action here. Uh, Dave Caldwell again spoke with John Osier. He believes that all three phases are going to come together this year. And that's something I don't think he's really talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. He's talked about our defense will be better this year. Our offense will be as good or a little bit improved from what it was last year. Um, Last year was supposed to be, I think, the year. Right. La- yeah. So that it was supposed to all come together. 2014, the defense played well. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, like no one thought that that defense was going to be very good. But Chris Clemens and the rest of the guys somehow racked up 44 sacks. They were like top 10 in the NFL in That's sacks crazy. that year somehow, and the offense was horrible. So, move to 2015. Offense takes a step forward. Defense takes a step way backwards. It was bad. And then 2016, you're like, well, our offense was good in 2015, and it was young. We have everyone back. Takes a step backwards. Um, And defense took a big step forward in 2016. So it's just been very topsy-turvy with both uh, both sides of the coin there. And... Most of that time, special teams has been a disaster. Yeah, it's it hasn't been above average probably since before Gus Bradley. No. So, Dave Caldwell thinks that this is the year all three phases come together, and on paper, you can't question it, except for the most important position on the field. Yeah. Quarterback, Blake Bortles. It's all going to come down to him. I can't say that enough. If Blake Bortles plays well, the Jaguars are competing for a division title in December. Yeah. I mean, and, and if he even plays decent. And that's that's literally any franchise in the NFL. You say that. Except for the fact that the Jaguars are so talented. If you, at yeah. so many positions. If yes. you put a Tom Brady in the Jaguars, Super they Bowl. win the oh, Super Bowl. They would have mm. they might have gone undefeated last year. Yeah. I'm dead serious. The talent is absurd. Especially on the defense side of the ball. And that defense that the Jaguars had on the field last year was impressive, but it was always playing from behind. Yeah. And it was on the field a lot. <clears throat> if you have that same defense last year out on the field when the Jaguars have seven 14 point lead because Tom Brady's the quarterback. Well, what competent NFL quarterback can get the ball oh to Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, or Marquise Lee? Exactly. It's got to come together this year for those that group. That that's the biggest thing is 
those receivers and that quarterback got to come together for them. And Dave Caldwell thinks it will. Um, this is also not a shocker, but he did confirm, Caldwell did, that left guard is the only position up for competition on the offensive line. Uh, we've all thought that for quite some time, ever since. Does that mean A.J. Can safe? I think it means A.J. Can is staying at right guard. So he's safe at right guard. Yep. I absolutely think that is what that means. He emphasized that Can is good to go there. He loves he loves Parnell and uh, Albert at the two edges, the two tackles. And then, um, obviously, Linder at center is great. Yeah. And then you just got left guard. It'll be pretty interesting. Obviously, that left guard position is going to be... I would be shocked if it was the first round pick just because you don't really see any guys that work there. But second round... It would not surprise me if he says that, that they trade back in with that kind of statement. Yeah. Obviously, he knows everything on this team pretty much is solidified in a way. Like, obviously, he's comfortable with the running back situation, how it is. Um, So, I mean, by saying it's the only position up Well, on the offensive line. That is. Yeah, he was talking about the O line. So, oh, okay. yeah, I'm sorry right. about that. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to read all these comments, <laughs> like, you know, jobs and stuff. But um, still, like, left guard has to be addressed. It's it's a glare to me. Ball. It's the like it's, it's the one position on the team other than maybe tight end where you really have to get better if you want to be effective because yeah. like, you have to help Blake Bortles. Everywhere else on the team, there's like, oh yeah, he's probably the starter. Oh, yeah, it's, at it's least, most likely this. At least if you put him out week one, you're okay. Yeah. Like, if they throw out Chris Ivory week one, but they've severely upgraded everything else, including left guard, like, don't you feel comfortable? Yeah. I yeah. do. Yeah. Like, Chris Ivory's I mean, a and, and you have sustainable a back. I mean, he's he, he came in and played at a pretty decent level last year. Ivory and Yeldon both played all right last year, but there was no blocking. And well, they we, were both injured a lot of the year. So there was no continuity. There was no uh, chemistry built. It was just rough. It was a perfect storm, like we've said before on this show. It really was for that offensive unit. Um, so that pretty much covers everything Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone talked about. Uh, let's get into these protests. Before we get to the UF and FSU, which is always... The most popular pro days around these parts. Let's get into a little uh, Deontay Foreman. That's my boy. So Scott, the resident Texas fan, what do we have? He's a good football player. He's a good football player. That's right. No, uh, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about him running a 4-4-40, which is huge. I mean, he's yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Deontay Foreman, running back, Texas. 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards running back, about 6'1", 235. Um, ran like 80% of his running plays be- between the tackles. Um, all out of shotgun, though. He's going to, you know, he's going to, for the first time, probably, he probably, for the first time, this off, like this offseason was the first time he took a snap behind the quarterback. Right. So that's a big thing. Now, do we think that's that big of a deal, Hunter? What do you think? The it only, would seem to me like the only thing that it changes is sometimes the running back has to get used to the, the length of time mm-hmm. from getting the ball. 
Right. Yeah. Um, Instead of just getting the ball and then going, well, he's on the way yeah, to the line. It's, it's while the whole the issue of when you're in the gun, you're getting the ball and your eyes are up for a split second. That ball's in your gut right away. Plus, you're seven yards behind the line. Yeah. I mean, a lot of running backs love going from the gun to pistol slash under center Mm -hmm. because it gives them time to see it. It's just getting used to having their eyes up looking at the holes while they're waiting for that ball to hit their stomach. It's A lot of them can get impatient. That's that's the biggest issue. Now, that's obviously much less of an issue than if a quarterback is taking every... Yeah. Snap in his career yeah. from the oh, shotgun. Yeah. Footwork is completely oh, yeah. different. Yeah. You have to worry about so much more. Running back is a lot it's smoother where... transition. You just got to tell the running back. You got to be able to drill into his head that patience yeah. of let the ball come to you. Don't go chase the ball. Like mm-hmm. you go to where you go. Let the ball come to you. you, you I mean, your stuff. You're still running the ball. Like, it's a natural act. Take ball, run ball. Like, yeah, that's all you're doing. Yeah. So it doesn't change that much. It's just that natural uh, hesitance to want to, you know, or what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the natural desire to grab the ball and just get the hell away from people trying yeah. to hit you, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah, and so does that change your reads at all, or is the reads all just based on if you're doing a outside zone, inside zone power? What do you mean reads? The, the running back. So, like, when he's trying to find the right hole. Reads are the same. Yeah, I like, figured. If you run power, it's front side A gap to B gap. Yeah. If yeah. you run zone, it's usually uh, bang, bang, bend, bang, bounce, bang, <laughs> bend, bounce. Sorry. <laughs> so, you're going to either hit it right up in the A to the B gap, or you're going to go backside, or you're going to bounce outside. Like, your, gap, your reads don't change. Um, it's just slight footwork change. And again, the patience of having to go seven yards before you get a ball. Right. To me, the biggest thing for him is... Yeah, back to Deontay Foreman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, is that where we were? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we just got on a little bit of a, uh, a, little bit of a scheme <laughs> tangent, but... Yeah, um, yeah he's, though, he's, a, he's an excellent football player. I mean, he can... So, yeah, he what can, was he able to do at his pro day? Um... Everything they asked him. I mean, this what's guy that did it forty all. though? That's what people want to hear. Was, I think it was a four-four-one. Yeah, that's. I mean, can, he was we, a can we? Do people understand how fast four-four-one is? Have, I mean, I don't think people really do. Have, I like. I know it. People think four-three is fast, but if you sat there, I've especially I, for a guy. His I size. have watched like, legit four-fours. Hell, I've watched a legit four-five, a high four-five, and they're flying. Yeah, that's that's freaking fast. And this guy's six like, one, like for a normal human, this is like unreal. I just, yeah. I think those numbers get skewed, and people get all into like the Deion Sanders style numbers. Mm. Four four one, you are running forty yards, hundred and twenty feet, pretty much, in four point four one seconds. At two hundred thirty five pounds, yes. maybe plus. Yeah, yeah. No, he's. I just want people to understand how fast. That and, is and, and to me, it's it's a bit surprising. I thought he was. I didn't think he was going to be run that fast. Yeah, in my mind, he might have been like four five, four six yeah. type guy. And I, I would have totally expected that. But he was a guy who he he made big plays. You know, he he was a powerful dude. Um, a lot of the time, it was there's a hole made for him, and just go right through it. Um, he can break a tackle. He's a powerful. He would hope so. Strong, yeah. yeah. No, he's a powerful dude. Um, I want to see what he does 
behind a bad offensive line. Not not saying Texas was all world or anything, but he was basically going up against Big Twelve defenses. He wasn't getting hit in the backfield my, a lot. Yeah, my yeah. issue, my only issue with a guy from the Big Twelve, really like Deontay Foreman, is the offense he played in. Yeah, people don't think offense is that big of a deal, but like, and it was an tempo spread. You're in that up tempo, and the mm-hmm. offense coordinator at Texas, amazing offense coordinator. His ability to run very amazing plays. Is it's fun to watch. So his ability to widen the field, mm-hmm. empty the box. Hell, I think against Notre Dame, it was a five-six man box the entire game. That's easy to run against. Yeah, yeah. How, how can you not so, run the ball against yeah. that? And it was basically just quick outside passes. Yeah, they run were, the ball and then take a shot every now. Yeah, they were spreading the ball, you know, horizontally, and they were very, very effective at getting the Deontay Foreman downhill quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my only question about Deontay Foreman. His yeah. ability to transfer that that transfer from a true spread style no huddle, um, quick hit stuff to a under center more pro style running game along with the blocking ability. And I want I want to see what he does when Plan A Goes is not on. there. Yeah. Did did he ever just have to pass block? Some. Yeah. No, he, I've I've heard they're not a big drop back pass game. Like they don't have. He, he they're had, getting the ball out so quick. Well, not necessarily. I don't but, think he ever gave up a sack. But a lot of their he, he was he 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 can he can he can block. But block. a lot of their drop back stuff is more based off of play action and based yeah. off of looks from their run game. Mm-hmm. So um, he's not even having a block on a lot of those. He does, but he doesn't. It's completely different than a quarterback taking a seven step drop. And now I know I'm having to step up and make a yeah play. hit like, the linebacker yeah, or the tough. blitz or the he's, he's blocks, but a lot of his blocks have slowed the front seven down a little bit because of like where he just gets a shoulder into someone or something like that. Plus, yeah. it's the knowledge of I mean that's the big the biggest leap for a running back. I don't care who you're talking about is going to be the blocking yeah. from high school to college to college to NFL because he's teaching the running back the blocking game. Is more important than the running game. Even in these spread offenses, the the ball is destined to go in one place uh-huh. and get there quickly. Yeah, exactly. The ball's hiked and out of the quarterback's hand. Yeah, as quick as a flash. Yeah. I mean, so it's that would be my. I love Deontay Foreman. We've talked about it before. I take yeah. Deontay Foreman. Second he's round, probably thirty-five. My, uh, probably later than that. I don't he, know if he's. He, quite I don't know if he'll make round. it to the to our third round pick. I that'd be my only problem, but I just don't know if he's a second round. He's probably a second round talent. And I think in another running back class, he definitely is. Yes, dude. But I think this one's so deep Ooh. that if you pass yeah. on him in the second, you can get a guy in the third, right? Who could be, yeah, worth that. He's that not in the top tier. Could even be equal backs. to him. Yeah, honestly, yeah. There's no question about it with these running backs. I mean, who knows where Joe Mixon's going to wind up? I, that's my pick. Mm-hmm. I people hate him. I know they do. But I wouldn't touch him with. He's the best running football. back in this entire draft. He's, he's a good football Maurice player. Maurice Jones-Drew agrees with you. I think right. Joe nice. Mixon, I, yeah. my dream would be to get O.J. Howard in the first and get Joe Mixon in the second. He's an athletic freak, but I I, I ain't rooting for that mother. Athletic mother freak mother. with a solid right hook. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's that's oh, enough of that. I made people mad. I'm sorry. All right. Hopefully people just don't get the reference. Um, moving on to some... UF FSU Pro Day talk. We'll start with UF because there's more guys at UF that are going to be drafted higher than there are at Florida State this year, which is weird comparing their records, records. over the past yeah. several seasons. Although the Gators have done well, just not against Florida State. Yeah. 
10 wins in McIlwain's first year, 9 wins in the second. Not bad at all. But Jared Davis, 4 5 8. That's a big middle linebacker that can, can run fast. He can fly. Uh, and he's, his tape will show you. His tape will show you everything you need to see with him. He's a hell of a player. I think, you know, if Reuben Foster is not in this class, Jared Davis is a first-round pick. He still could be. I think he's going to be a high, early second-round pick, though, if I had to guess. Uh, he really impressed. Marcus May really impressed. Yeah, he, I didn't think he would run that fast. He ran a sub-4-5-40. Yeah. May Was he, wasn't he coming off an ACL or, or, or some sort of major injury? I, yeah, he did get injured last year. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. His draft stock went up. Yeah. Sure. He, I mean, how does he fall past play. the second round as a safety that is is well-versed in terms of his knowledge of the game, is now proven that he's a freak athletically, can run a sub-4-5-40, and brings the wood when he gets to the ball yeah. carrier. I don't see how that's a type of guy that survives past the second round. And look, look at if Keanu you look at Keanu O'Neal, his former yeah. teammate... I've always thought Marcus May was better than yeah. Keanu O'Neal. Now, obviously, in college, there's certain things that transfer better than NFL, and Keanu O'Neal's game clearly transferred very well to the NFL. But uh, you've got a lot of other guys here to get into as well. Alex Anzalone, the off-injured linebacker from Florida. He's just so smooth. He is an oh incredible goodness. player when he's on the field and healthy. Yeah, he's- He... he he diagnoses plays quicker than I've ever seen any other Gator linebacker. And once he diagnoses it, he explodes to the ball. And he reminds me of Brian Cushing. Yeah. He really does. I mean, there's a physicality and a violence to their games that is just fun to watch. He's fast. He's got length. He's got this um, girth. He's got it all except for... Got to stay healthy. Yeah. Got to stay on the, the field. The best ability is availability. But now, at this point... Uh, Mike Mayock even believes that he'll probably be a second or third round pick. He's got the talent. I mean, he's got the talent to be a first round pick <laughs> or a high early second round pick. Uh, then you've got Tease Tabor, who is by far the biggest story out of any of these pro yeah. days, running a four seven. That's crazy. Following up a terrible combine where he ran a four six two, and then now running a four seven five four seven seven. I mean. When I was in high school, I could run a four seven. And I played cornerback. Yeah, I've been timed. <laughs> I mean, I was in no way competing to even be a Division one or college football player at all. The and only, I was running faster than him. However, you go look at this guy's tape. Exactly. You never see anyone running past him, yeah. and you see him um, explode, exploding towards um, towards the ball when. When uh, he's breaking on routes and then accelerating away from everyone on the offensive side of the ball once he picks the ball off to get to the end zone. The 40, the 40 I, times are such a glamour item. It's, it's, it's the flashy thing, oh, who's runs the fastest 40? It doesn't always translate on the football field. Some guys just have it. But the crazy thing is cornerback. Yeah, it, 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 it's worrisome. A more... A better time to look at it would be his L cone drill and his three cone drill. Agility. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the ability to change direction and take angles mm-hmm. quickly. As a cornerback, if I can jump an angle and react to a ball, not necessarily a route, like you're going to be a good cornerback. So I don't know. Test Tabor's his tape's 
pretty solid. It's insane. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like his tape says he should be a top fifteen pick. Now another thing is if he's a four seven without pads and a four seven in pads, those four 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 five guys that are out of pads might. I might slow down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. like you just never because they know. can't carry the the weight. It's to me, and and it's it should be unbelievably stressed by anybody talking about combine numbers and pro day numbers. The most that it should do is either confirm your your thoughts on a prospect from watching his tape, or make you say, "Okay, you maybe I need to maybe look. I need to go take a look to see exactly." Knowing right. this information, how is this going to Where's affect? The diff- why is there exactly? A in this yeah. yeah, it shouldn't be like and that's this guy's untouchable. Same type of thing with Deontay Foreman at yeah. uh, the four four. You know, if you don't really think he's that fast, it's going to make you be like, well, let's go back and look yeah. at the tape. What happened? Yeah. Why is he so fast? Like, yeah. what did I not see on tape that yeah. makes him this fast? And um, so that pretty much does it for Florida's big names. But I got to give a shout out as a Gator fan, Joey Ivy, probably be a late round pick. But uh, Booger McFarland, who covers <laughs> football for SEC Network and also does uh, some morning radio for NFL Network. He says Joey Ivey's going to be our late-round pick, but he's going to play in the NFL for 10 years. Yeah. I really hope he does, and that's awesome. Um, you've got, also got a... I like Brian Cox. Brian Cox yeah. as well. Brian Cox who's uh, Brian, Cox is, Brian Cox, Brian Cox Jr. Jr. <laughs> right. Of course, any of you who watched Hard Knocks a couple years ago with the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. know who his father is. Or if you followed football in the 90s and early 2000s, he did make a couple of Pro Bowls himself, but at this point, he's certainly much more known for his antics as a coach. The cigar smoking. He's a, <laughs> he's a hell of a character. No question about it. I don't know if that's... He would scare me if he was a coach on my team. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I like him. I he's great. Amazing. I like watching him on another yeah, team. You but. go do you. Love it. I don't have to worry yeah. about you. Yeah. Now getting over to Florida State. I think it's before we get into it. Okay. I think it's a little. I think it's BS that they were li- the the two pro days were on the same day. At yeah, similar it's very times. annoying. Let's not do that again next year. Florida when, State in Florida. Literally, it, the whole reason for the pro day is for scouts. To be able to come, yeah. look at football players, and when you're splitting the difference between the two schools, making teams decide who to send to what, right? It's that's, literally it's so not benefiting anyone, not now the schools, when you're, the players, yeah. or the teams. When you're Miami and FIU, like today, they had their pro days. They're in the same damn city. That's okay. Spread and them out by a couple hours. Go to Miami. Speaking <laughs> of Miami, but there's, there's one know, prospect I'd check out. UF there. and. FSU, you got a couple hours in between, and if they're running 40s an hour apart from each other, you're not going to be able to be at both as a reporter. Pick one. Yeah, it sucks. Who's your Miami guy? Well, I have two. The tight end, and then Corn. Joku. He ran a 4-6, I believe. Oh, and Corn Elder ran yeah, like a 4-4. Look at that. Four. Corn Elder, he's like, good. It just the depth at this cornerback position. I feel like every day... There's somebody. Another there. impressive it's cornerback. Last up. week it was that kid from uh, uh, Colorado, a, a, a right? Mosey or Moosey yeah. from Colorado. Yeah. And this year, I mean, you got to take a look at it. Like the depth is, it's ridiculous. Take, yeah, take. There, there's going to be a guy in the mid to later rounds that teams have ranked way higher, uh-huh. just because. Of, and he's going to end up being a stud. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, you're gonna, the Jaguars might take a corner, even though they've got two guys that they. 
are are going to be the, the the building blocks of the franchise just because mm-hmm. he's the highest rated guy on the board. Yeah, he's yeah. a good football player. And Draft him. You can get three corners on the field at the uh, same time. No, in the modern day, no with no problem. And you know, if Aaron Colvin's the odd man out because you draft a badass corner, that's just too bad. It just makes your team that much better. I yeah. mean, he'll I mean, find a spot somewhere else. No but question. You, you make your team better over everything. Now, getting into FSU, Demarcus Walker and Dalvin Cook—they just blew scouts away. They blew me away. Walker looks so nimble on his feet, and so does Dalvin. Really, uh, obviously, that's what Dalvin's known for. He was able to improve on his 40 time a little bit. He ran, by some scouts, clocks a 4.39, some in the mid 4.4s, but it's an improvement on his combine numbers, which was a 4.4940. And um, he just looks so fluid. Yeah. Moving in and out of breaks. He's a hell of a player. Demarcus Walker looked really fluid. His biggest knock is he's been a tweener. You don't know if you're playing him at defensive tackle or defensive end. In my mind, you should be using him similar to how teams are going to use Solomon Thomas in the NFL, similar to how teams use Calais Campbell. Move him all over the place. Let him create mismatch. He has the ability mm-hmm. to overwhelm guards with his uh, burst and strength. Yeah. And then he also has he shows bend. He can bend around the edge against he's tackles. The, he's the leading sack. He's the leading sacker in FSU history. Yeah, twenty eight and a half sacks in his career. And there's career. been some good good football players to go. That's through right. The program. No question. And uh, right now, people think he's a second round pick. I've always thought he was better than that. Yeah, I mean his 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 frame and his body's. He's a tweener. Be the knock on him. But so is Solomon where does, Thomas. Where does he fit? Yeah. So that's going to be really interesting to see where he lands. Now, Jalen Ramsey, mm. the Jaguars' starting cornerback and, for all intents and purposes, most talented player, probably by far. Four and four. <laughs> he would like to see the Jaguars draft Alvin Cook at number four. Why is that not surprising? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because the they were teammates. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get him, and then let's get DeMarcus the Walker, and then let's get Kermit Whitfield. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Jalen would like to see the Jaguars take Cook at four. I wouldn't be mad about it. Not one bit. He's a hell of a player. Um, Getting into my most recent mock draft just a little bit here, uh, we've got Leonard Fournette going to the Jaguars at number four. The reason I have that is because... I believe Solomon Thomas, Miles Garrett, and Jonathan Allen might all be off the board. That's terrifying. You're basically pigeonholed in the... And then if the Cleveland Browns trade for Jimmy G, they're not going to want to trade up in front of the Jets. The Jets aren't going to have any motivation to trade up. So you're out of trade back partners. So you're stuck at four. Are you going to take another cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore? You're not going to take another safety. You're not going to take Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker. Are you going to really take O.J. Howard at number four as a tight end? So in my it's, mind, it's the thing that makes the right? most sense is Leonard Fournette. Yeah. If those, if that situation does play out, and then you've got Deion Dawkins, who's a somewhat unknown in terms of most fans, but he's a ta- left tackle from Temple who projects as a guard in the NFL, who is just a mammoth, and he is really thick, lower body, really thick upper body, and it's not just that fat thick. He is, he's a man. He's got. He's got the strength, and he shows it on the field. He can really move people around. 
he would project as an excellent guard for the Jaguars. Jake Button, third round. Uh, stellar tight end from Michigan who only had his draft stock plummet due to an ACL injury in his last game of his college career against Florida State. He has hands that are like magnets. Mm-hmm. He catches everything. Yeah, It's incredible to see some of the plays he makes uh, on the ball. He's not a superlative athlete, but he's probably, in he's my mind, player. he's in between... My comparisons, I think Jason Witten. I was exa- I was just thinking in about between it. Jason yeah. Witten and Zach Miller. Yeah, because Zach Miller's a little bit more athletic Oakland than Zach Jay- Miller. Right, <laughs> he's a little bit more athletic than um, Jason Witten, but Jason Witten's got those just magnet hands, and he just knows how to get open. I think if if he could be a combination of those two players and then the pros, he's going to be you take that perennial Pro Bowler okay. and a probably a Hall of Famer one day. Now, Alex Anzalone I have going to the Jaguars in the fourth round. It appears now he might not make it to the fourth round. But if he's available in the fourth round, I know you've got your starting linebackers. I know you've got some decent depth at linebacker. But he is too good to pass up on. He's too big of a playmaker, in my mind, to pass up on in the fourth round. And he could eventually replace Puzlesny at middle linebacker or move to Sam, do whatever, whatever alignment you want to have. If you have in 2018 or 2019, Alex Anzalone, Miles Jack, and Telvin Smith as your three starting linebackers, you are very happy with that. Then you get into Rasul Douglas, who led the nation in interceptions last year. He's a big-bodied cornerback from West Virginia, who is a junior college transfer. I have him as their fifth-round pick. I think they will add cornerback depth at some point. Right now, you've only got Aaron Colvin at nickel, and then you've got Josh Johnson as your third string outside corner behind A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. So they're going to address corner at some point. I've got us taking another offensive guard because I don't think that they have – they're just – they're not – there yet at offensive guard. That's one of the biggest positions of need. Isaac Asiata from Utah. He's a guy that's very talented and a lot of people think he could start earlier in his career. Maybe first, second year. Seventh round, kind of a crapshoot. I do think the Jaguars will go ahead and try to add somebody who can be their kick returner, punt returner this year because they've had a huge emphasis on special teams and they currently don't have a guy that can be the kick returner, punt returner specialist and be flashy or impressive. Yeah. You've got Walters. Yeah, he can. you got Lee. It. I mean, you've you... got Lee, but do you really want to put him out there? Um, you've got Green, but he had a terrible second year well, and then got injured. Uh, and then, so yeah, I have Cooper Rush, who many believe is the smartest and most cerebral quarterback in the draft. He just doesn't have a... He doesn't have a strong arm. He's out of Central Michigan. I think that he could be a valuable addition to the Jaguars quarterback room um, in terms of being a quality backup that could manage the game in the future, not his rookie year. But Jordan, why would we draft another quarterback? We just drafted one last year. <laughs> because you don't know what the hell you have in Brandon exactly. Allen. Exactly. And yeah, Kermit or Whit- Blake Bortles for that matter. Right. Kermit Whitfield. Uh, I think would be a perfect, perfect guy to draft in the seventh round at the end of the draft to come in and solidify your kick return, punt return job. Ran a 4-4. He's just a lights-out athlete. 
what are we giggling about over there, Scott? Continue. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my mock draft. I'm going to probably keep updating it every week until the draft. But, uh, yeah, I think I think if this is what the Jaguars ended up with, it would be pretty solid. What do you guys think? Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's got a lot of big names. I mean, Fournette, obviously, is the headliner. You got yeah. a guy like Jake Butt, who's made a career he's had an unbelievable career at Michigan um Anzalone who might have been the best player on that Florida defense yeah that has a ton of NFL talent um Isaac Asiata is a guy who in the sixth round he I think he might not make it to the sixth yeah. round I mean I, I think I think he was the leader for bench in the bench press so you know he's a strong guy not necessarily yeah, I think he put up like 35 reps that's crazy yeah. but I mean you have a lot of you have a lot of Good, solid players at the positions of need. Um, to be honest, I don't know a lot about Russell Douglas or Deion Dawkins, um, but I've heard good things. I've heard good things about Dawkins. So I mean, if let's say the Jaguars end up with a, a draft similar to this, it's a home run. I mean, you're you're addressing a lot of positions of need and taking without reaching without That's reaching the most and, important you, and you're taking thing. quality players. Yeah, that could contribute. What do you think, Hunter? I like it, and I don't like it at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, Fournette would be great. I'm just not completely sold on Fournette or Dalvin Cook right now. I think right, but again, people. this is in a situation where the Jaguars are kind of pigeonholed. Yeah, I guess if it's pigeonholed. Um, Deion Dawkins is a very underrated offensive guard, so um, it's a solid draft. Jake Butt's probably my favorite. Awesome. Jake Butt, you got to love the name. Well, you've been listening to the Gin Jag Podcast. That's going to do it for us today. Again, we're always presented by Bold City Brewery. Check them out at boldcitybrewery.com. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Hunter Evans at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. Scott Klein at Scott Klein one. And make sure to check out Generation Jaguar at ginjag.com. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Have a great day, Duval. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.